Dear guests, dear colleagues, dear students, dear friends, uh, my name is Laurent Mignon. I'm a fellow of the Middle East Center, and I am uh, very glad to introduce this evening our speaker, Dr. Hatsuki Aishima. She's a social anthropologist specializing in Islam and public culture in the contemporary Middle East. She received her MA from Kyoto University uh, in area studies and her DPhil from the University of Oxford uh, in uh, 2011 from this uh, very college and center. Before joining uh, Minpaku, and Minpaku is the National Museum of Ethnology uh, based in Osaka, Before joining Minpaku in July 2016, she worked as a lecturer in modern Islam at the University of Manchester. And in her monograph, Public Culture and Islam in Modern Egypt, she explored the roles of mass media and modern education in shaping the public knowledge, scholarly culture, and the literary tradition of Islam. This is the book which I uh, strongly recommend if you haven't read it yet. However, uh, Hatsuki now is working on a new project. She is working on an urban ethnography of karate practitioners' communities in Egypt. And it is this aspect of her work that she will be presenting today. It's also of a particular importance because in our fields of research, a lot of, of work is done on the relations between the West and Islam or the West and the East. And here we have a very interesting study of relations between East and even more East, <laughs> if you can say it that way. Thank you very much for presenting. Okay. Thank you, Lauren, and thank you, everybody, for uh, coming tonight. It's a Friday evening, and, you know, end of the week, and um, I'm very glad to see all of you today. Um, so uh, as Lauren introduced about me, that um, I have worked on... Uh, been working on the aspects of public culture of uh, Egypt for many years. And then for my PhD, I worked more about the kind of Islam and then uh, and how the middle, Egyptian middle class approach the issue of piety and then the education and then the, the aspiration to be cultured. And then this research that I'm currently wo uh, working on, this uh, karate practitioners uh, community, in Egypt came out of my field work actually when I was uh, working in uh, Egypt between 2006 and 2008 that uh, and especially the, you know, my interest in the Egyptian middle class that uh, when I was having some doing some interviews and having conversation with friends uh, one of my uh, Arabic language tutor who is now a very good friend of mine told me that because uh, um, she I was asking her, you know, why, why she's interested in studying about Islam and what kind of background she has. And she told me that when she was in kindergarten, she used to uh, memorize the Quran because her grandfather was a Quran reciter. So the, the family encouraged her to memorize the Quran. But at the same time, she was uh, learning karate. So those were the kind of part of her sort of childhood education that she went through, that one is like a learning to uh, recite the Quran, and the other was to play karate. And then uh, because I was overtly focused on the religious aspect of Egypt, uh, then I, became, I, I come to realize that maybe my focus was very narrow in terms of looking at Egyptian society. So, and then I got interested in this sort of... Uh, Uh, instead of just looking at Islam as a religion, I should approach more like a broader culture 
and historical aspects of Egypt. So that's what I mean by the public culture of Egypt. So and then uh, so today uh, the paper is a work in progress, and then but I would still like to work on some maybe the theoretical framing of what I have been working on lately. And then one thing is to just think about the Egyptian sort of aspiration to uh, join the global flow. So there's various ways of uh, um, looking at why is karate so popular in Egypt. In, and then one of the things that uh, um, I would like to argue today is this uh, aspect that uh, uh, maybe uh, in many places uh, people think that um, karate is something Japanese, yes? That the, uh, the word karate comes from Japanese language and then uh, the ways in which the karate uh, athletes are dressed and then there's a certain like, vocabulary used for the, describing the techniques uh, about the kicks or punches. People in Britain would assume that it is Japanese. But then the, what the, the question I would like to bring to the floor today is that so um, could, what, what does it mean that karate is Japanese for the Egyptian public? And then, so, uh, so for the, my, today's paper, I would like to start with how karate was introduced to uh, Egypt, and then to go on to like how this, this sport is received now in contemporary Egypt. And then uh, at the end of the paper, I would like to introduce how the new movement that started in 2011, and then the group which calls themselves the Egyptian to the Traditional Karate Federation is a movement which I, I, I call it almost like a Salafi current within karate because they say that we must revive the traditions of karate in contemporary Egypt. So just to give you an overview, because I, I don't know if you know so much about karate in Egypt, so just a historical overview overview how karate started uh, in Egypt. So from my interviews, uh, I have come to understand that the, sometime in the 1960s, by the late 1960s, uh, there has been uh, some trainings given throughout Egypt, not just in Cairo, but around throughout Egypt, there has been some karate schools developing. And then uh, this kind of coincided with the, in the 70s, with the global, you know, the, the boom of Bruce Lee kung fu films. And then, um, so, and then this had also reached uh, Egypt, and then Bruce Lee's uh, films became really, really uh, popular, uh, not just uh, with uh, uh, young men, but uh, the broader public were really fascinated with this kind of uh, um, the Chinese man in action films. And then the many in my interviews, many of my uh, informants uh, told me that the, they became uh, really fascinated with uh, karate through kung fu films. And, but they knew that it, the one is kung fu and the other is karate. But then they started doing karate. So um, maybe they were like uh, 15, 16, or like 17, 18. Uh, and then uh, they were previously you know, doing maybe boxing or some running or football. And then after watching Bruce Lee films, they started uh, taking karate training. And then th uh, this is a time that the 1970s is, uh, in, of course, during the Cold War. And then uh, Egypt started to um, develop a good relation to the West. Uh, and then uh, and this is the time that the Japanese government was also quite enthusiastic in uh, developing a soft power diplomacy around the world, <laughs> including in the Middle East. So, uh, and then the previously, uh, Egyptians were maybe discovering about karate through uh, Bruce Lee films. 
and trying out what they uh, learned from the films, but then like, they finally see the real Japanese trainer uh, sent from Japan <laughs> through this uh, uh, Japan Foundation initiatives. So, and then they, they one, uh, there has been quite many, but the, one of the, uh, the very most famous uh, trainer is called uh, JK trainer called Okamoto, who uh, had uh, later married an uh, uh, Egyptian lady and settled in Egypt and then started the uh, business. And then if you have been to Egypt, uh, in, and especially to Cairo, um, you might have seen a supermarket called Sunny Supermarket. Yes, and this is a, this is a quite... Uh, this is, uh, if you have been to Egypt and to Cairo, this is a very famous supermarket in, in uh, Zamalek uh, upper-class neighborhood. And then Okamoto is the... This karate master is the one who opened the first supermarket in Egypt. So he was not only a karate master, but he was quite entrepreneurial, <laughs> had entrepreneurial skills. And so that's how he, re- he really settled down in Egypt and then trained a generation of uh, um, Egyptian athletes. And then at the end, you know, there, there was a very famous uh, karate master, Egyptian karate master called Atef Abaza, who was, uh, became a disciple of uh, Okamoto and then uh, later became Arab champion. For, and then he won this uh, Arab championship for nearly 10 years in a row. So this is, to, this is a kind of overview of how karate started in Egypt. And because of this uh, sort of having an Arab champion who is globally known, um, uh, Egypt is hosting the international uh, championship. This was a very, very uh, important incident for Egyptian history because uh, for most of us, karate is uh, not the mainstream sport that we might think of mainstream sport like uh, maybe football is something that uh, we all have chance to watch on television, or maybe you have seen the game, or like the Olympic Games. And karate is not part of the Olympic Games either. So maybe for most of us, karate is not uh, such an important sport for to take part in a kind of global flow. However, for, for the Egyptians who don't thrive very well in the Olympics or in the World Cup in the football, uh, karate has become one of the occasion, few occasions on the international stage that uh, they they gain medals and then they they become very successful at the international stage. So, and then one of the good example is that uh, um, this, there has been several like uh, uh, maybe novels and films produced with uh, some of the heroes uh, practicing karate or some other martial arts. So and then so there's not only like a Bruce Lee films or Jackie Chan, but the Egyptians themselves producing all these uh, action films. And one example I would like to show you is this uh, uh, film called Mr. Karate. And I don't know if any of you have watched Mr. Karate, but this was a. I I also don't know about Egypt so much, and no, I I don't know about Egypt, but not about this uh, 90s cinema. But uh, apparently, this was a very successful film in the 90s, and uh, it's a film about a uh, um, dreamy young man from the countryside. He's from the peasant background, and then um, he uh, become dragged to Cairo because his father passed away, and then to take over the job as a garage caretaker. And then that's when he discovers uh, um, cinema and especially the Kung Fu films. 
and I, and then like, but he's very much aware of like he's coming from the countryside, and there's this very big social divide in Egypt, and especially the 90s in Cairo. So he uh, get one, on the one hand he gets fascinated with urban life, but on the other he is very much aware of this big social divide and where he stands in the hierarchy of Cairo Cairoan lifestyle. And what is quite interesting about this film is that uh, it, it is called Mr. Karate because the main, the protagonist, Salah, is called uh, Mr. Karate because he's fascinated with uh, these uh, Kung Fu films and he starts practicing, although he's never done sport in his life. Yes? So he's adult and tried to learn karate and then uh, he's basically just copying what uh, he see on the film first and later on he has a trainer. And then uh, he also falls in love with uh, uh, the rental video shop attendant called Nadia. <laughs> so, so basically, this is Salah and Nadia, the main main characters of the film, together with other people. So, uh, it's a one side, it's a kind of romantic film, and on the other side, is it's a film that kind of so criticizes the social reality of Egypt at the time especially in terms of the uh, socioeconomic standard, standards and then how p- people really struggle to get by on a day-to-day basis. And, but for me, what was interesting is that uh, this film uh, shows that uh, karate for the, the Egyptians of the time that uh, is not specifically Japanese, but the, the word karate has entered the vocabulary as more as like a kind of fighting in general or like a sort of martial arts in general, so not really about Japan. And then the karate is about fighting, but it's not the violence, but it's more like a sort of organized or structured fight way of fighting. And then there's a kind of code or ethics or something, uh, you know, ju- like a just way of fighting. So throughout the film, you can see that Salah becomes like a hero, He's a garage caretaker, but he becomes a hero because he's very just and he fights with uh, the local thugs or the mafia who want to deal with drugs or so on and so forth. So the, and then people ask him, so why do you know karate? <laughs> why are you doing karate? So, and then that's why like, he even become more like he's a famous Salah of karate. So I just want to show you a clip from this uh, film which shows how like, Salah is really... Dreaming to become a hero of uh, by becoming taking part in this uh, kind of kung fu films, and obviously he will not take part in kung fu films, but he that's his sort of a way of uh, living. So he's uh, taking care of the garage, and then at the same time he wants to bring kind of justice to this community, and then the people support him. And at the same time, you can see f- from the style of expression that uh, this film is not like Egypt, Egyptian film industry is not isolated from the rest of the world, but uh, this is a very much uh, you can see the comments on like alluding to like uh, Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee films, but also American films in terms of kind of music and singing and dancing style. Yeah, so you can find the entire film if you're interested, <laughs> on, on YouTube, it's really a shame that tonight Walter Ambrose is not with us, and I'm sure he can comment at length 
on the, whether this film was so popular or not, or what's the background to it. So um, I'm, I'm just giving you one example of how Soro Karate had made it in a very popular Egyptian film. And then also uh, the, how you, this kind of representation of karate incorporate the global trend of uh, various films that was popular at the time, I suppose, in Egypt and beyond. Yes, and uh, maybe some of you were wondering that uh, if you had watched the Karate Kids, Karate Kid, that uh, the Karate Kids, of course, the famous scene is this scene of uh, waxing the car. Yes, but he's, he's not just train, he's not training to clean karate, but he's just uh, clean the cars, but he's actually working in garage. So I, I just wondered if the, uh, the, this was intentional, this, this job of Salah being a garage caretaker was intentional because the, this film was produced after the big hit of a karate kid. So since this, like, 1980s or so, you know, since Atiha Baza became the Arab champion and then, um, Egypt hosted the world championship. By the way, this was the first champion, 1983, when the first world championship was organized in Egypt. That was the last time until like 2016. There has been never another world championship, but this was very successful in 1983 that somehow Egypt managed to organize such an important event in Cairo. So karate is uh, currently the the second most uh, popular sport maybe after football in Egypt. So, and then uh, what is uh, quite interesting for me is that many people think it is a very kind of middle-class sport. In Egypt, Egypt is a quite a socially stratified society, so people associate each other. <laughs> They're kind of aware of where they belong in the society, and then uh, they go to different sport club and they do different sport. And then when you ask sort of which sport club you belong to, you know, that's quite a good, good benchmark indication to understand uh, which kind of background the, pers- the person is from. And then, uh, well, obviously they are like a very well, children from very wealthy family doing karate to quite a, a poor family, a working class background. And then uh, karate is popular all around, all the kind of generation, of all, so- all social classes of Egypt. But somehow people think, seem to associate karate as a very kind of middle class sport. And for instance, like what the people think as upper class sport in Egypt is like maybe the table tennis is a upper class sport, or the tennis, <laughs> tennis and the squash. Egypt is very successful in squash, and squash is a, people think it's a kind of upper class sport. So for Egyptians, many of them like a sport is uh, something which you set the goal, clear goal. And then it's not about having fun, even though when children are engaged in sport activities, uh, the parents accept this to be something serious. And then what serious they mean is like uh, uh, like getting the medals or getting the certificates. So in that case, karate is very convenient because uh, uh, if you have uh, done a little bit of karate, you know that uh, in karate there's something called a belt test, which comes up every three months or so. <laughs> if you go to the belt test, you get the belt and you get the certificate, yes? And then this this is very, this collecting the certificate is very important for, uh, I think, the old Egyptians, but especially this middle-class family. So I have uh, visited uh, some family which uh, were, of course, proud of the son's son getting trophies for karate competition. But then also the, maybe the sister or the mother, they also collect the certificates of themselves, attending, for instance, maybe the, I don't know, computer 
class or some uh, little bit of uh, like, uh, attending an English language conversation class. And they, all these classes produce the certificates. And then it's uh, quite the uh, honor of the family to collect this and sometimes in some cases display. So uh, the collecting of the certificate is very, very significant in Egyptian context, but especially the internal karate. The karate is the sport that is managed conveniently to satisfy this middle class you know, desire to have the clear goal in terms of getting the medals, not just getting a medal certificate, but also collecting the, the, the belts. And then, so in that case, that the, uh, there are classes like, for instance, the one on the the photo on the right, left side for you, uh, is uh, is giving this a lesson that is giving in a very uh, upper class neighborhood. And then you can see that the, um, there's nobody wearing the karate suit, but that they can you can do a lesson in a t-shirt and in a shorts. Or there can be a karate lesson giving in just outside of the mosque in a popular neighborhood of central Cairo. So uh, I have seen like uh, lessons giving in a library or in a school courtyard. So a- anywhere with a little bit of space, there could be an after school or weekend karate classes. And then because of uh, such a popularity, Egyptian karate national team is doing very successfully, doing very well internationally. And then uh, this is a ranking like at the moment, is number five. Like I'm not being nationalist. Japan is the first, <laughs> but I'm not trying to be nationalist here. You know, last sometimes I checked like Japan was uh, you know less than Egypt, but at the moment Egypt is the fifth. So you can see like Iran is second, Turkey, Turkey is there. Yes, Turkey is there. Brazil, Japan, Egypt, and France. So yes, Egypt is doing really well. And Egyptians are very much aware of it. So, uh, for instance, in the last month, end of last month, end of October, there was a, a World Cup, uh, World Championship of Karate in Spain. And then uh, Egypt came the second in terms of numbers of medals. And then this, this is a newspaper article, the one on the right side, newspaper article reporting this uh, cut, female kata team won the gold medal in this uh, competition in Spain. Or like on the, this poster is from last year. This is a poster to sort of uh, to report, announce that there's going to be a world championship. And then Egypt, Egyptian uh, female champion uh, Jana Farouk is uh, on on the poster because she's uh, t- two times the world champion in the kumite. This is uh, actual sparring. In in you know considering this kind of uh, context, that the first uh, maybe. Karate was Japanese, and there was a case that in the 70s, a Japanese trainer actually came to Egypt to train the Egyptian athletes. But uh, what the contemporary Egyptians think of uh, karate is that uh, maybe it was Egyptian, it was Japanese at one point, but now Egyptians have fully nationalized. So Egypt has, Egypt, uh, karate has become Egyptian. And then Egyptian colloquial language, there's a way to say that something is Egyptianized. Itamathur, you know, like, uh, yeah. So they, they, say to, they say to me that Egypt, Egypt has really like a nationalized karate. So we don't need the Japanese style trainer, Japanese trainer or Japanese style training because we have our own way of uh, like mastering this sport. And then I, it's very vague that when I meet the tra- uh, like, uh, people who play karate in Egypt, especially younger people, that the karate was Japanese. So they can see from the word that this is something foreign. 
maybe Oriental, but uh, not many people know that uh, that the karate was a has an Okinawan background or Japanese background to it. So they think uh, just karate is the way to uh, join the global flow. That's what I mean to be be part of the international community. Uh, which is a kind of rare occasion if you are placed in a country like Egypt that is sort of difficult to travel abroad or just to, just to see what it's like and then to join the community outside of Egypt. And the community that I, I am following currently is uh, called the Egyptian Traditional Karate Federation. And this is a quite interesting group uh, that was a established shortly after the Arab Spring of 2011, like the January 25 revolution. And then because I find this group quite interesting because uh, they want to, Egyptian traditional karate federation want to bring back the Japanese traditions to Egypt. And that's why uh, they emphasize that uh, their trainer, their main, the chairperson of the foundation called Ibrahim Arhomi, he is uh, like a descent of uh, Japanese masters. Uh, if you uh, know a little bit of karate, Funakoshi Gichin is a Japanese trainer who originally came from Okinawa and then uh, moved to Tokyo. Uh, when, you know, Okinawa was annexed to Japan, and then later he, so Funakoshi came to Tokyo and then uh, uh, taught karate to the Japanese, and he Japanized karate so that it, it becomes more or less like a sport rather than the uh, actual combat skills. So that is a Hunakoshi. So Hunakoshi is like the, the, the shape of all the Sufi orders, yes, in terms of karate. And then the second gentleman on the left side is a, a called somebody called Nishiyama Hidetaka. And Nishiyama was a successful karate master from Japan. But uh, he uh, moved to uh, the United States after uh, the, the World War II to train the uh, U.S. Marines. Initially, was, he was brought to train the U.S. Marines, but later on, he just immigrated to America. And then he, he taught karate in the U.S. for many years. And then uh, in 1993, when there was this discussion about whether to uh, make karate an Olympic sport, sport or to keep karate as uh, martial art. He sort of broke with the uh, uh, mainstream karate federation, like World Karate Federation, and then he established his own karate federation called International Traditional Karate Federation. The chairperson of Egyptian Traditional Karate Federation, Ibrahim Arhomi, is an e Egyptian who had studied karate with Nish Nishiyama in France. And he has also visited Nishiyama in, uh, in America. That's why when uh, ATKF makes the posters, it's uh, important that uh, Ibrahim Maruhomi shows this silsila, there's a chain of transmission of knowledge, directly from Funakoshi uh, Gichin and Nishiyama and then Maruhomi himself. And the gentleman in the middle is uh, Ibrahim Maruhomi. And Maruhomi himself was, uh, ha had moved to um, France since the 80s, and then uh, he had married a French lady who, is also, who used to be the student himself of karate. So now uh, Marhomi and Marhomi's wife runs a karate school in central Paris. But then he, he decided that after 2011 that uh, Egypt uh, needs this kind of new 
system, new, new karate, new style of karate. So he goes back to Egypt and establishes this new foundation called the Egyptian Traditional Karate Federation. It's not that Ibrahim al-Homi was away from Egypt all the time. He was in touch with Egyptian athletes uh, throughout the time that after he moved to Egypt, I moved to France, and then he was giving training in Egypt. But uh, this was the first time that he came to Egypt and said, we are going to start a new school of karate. Because he has a keen awareness that the um, karate in Egypt had become mere sport, whereas karate has to be a lifestyle. And then uh, he has been quite successful in recruiting uh, the members so previously there was only one federation in Egypt called the Egyptian Karate Federation. And since 2011, many athletes and many trainers have moved from Egyptian Karate Federation to traditional Karate Federation, and then they no longer talk to each other. So, so it, it, uh, yeah. So the, now it's a quite a sens- sensitive moment that you, you attend a festival, for instance, organized by Japanese embassy, and the so Japanese embassy has to invite both the traditional Karate Federation people and Karate Federation people, and then they are kind of sitting next to each other, but uh, there's not much communication between them. But it's, yeah, so I know both people, so that's a bit problematic. But anyhow, that's the situation, and then uh, Marhomi himself is now going back and forth between France and Egypt. So what are the sort of the points that, that Marhomi is bringing to Egypt? when he means by like returning to tradition. He says that the one, you know, there are many, many things he says, but the main point is that uh, you have to uh, wear this karate suit called karate gi during the training, and then not just the players, but also the trainers wear the karate gi. And then you should do this kind of bowing or uh, this kind of ritual ceremony that usually done before starting karate, like bowing to the trainer, bowing to each other, and then to sort of um, do the saluting of uh, each other in a karate language, because uh, he thinks that the, um, a champion in, karate, in, in traditional karate must be a champion in life. So this is uh, especially this uh, dojo dojo code is a code that the five code that uh, five lines established by the Shotokan Karate School of Funako Shigichin, so that, that it increase, in, encourages the karate players to uh, be for instance, just to each other or control your anger, so on and so forth. So uh, Marhomi believes that by reciting these uh, codes and then to be dressed properly and doing all the rituals, uh, that the, everybody, both the trainer and the player, will learn that uh, this, through karate to become more kind of proper individuals. And then this kind of the teaching should uh, should not be the means in, in itself in this training hall, but they should be applied on day-to-day basis. And also, uh, he, this uh, World Karate Federation, or mo- most kind of most karate throughout the world, there is something called a wo- weight restriction. So it depends on the weight you fight with the, somebody who's like mostly the same size as you. But then in traditional karate, they, they, there's no weight restriction. There's age restriction. So you don't, like 15 year old will not fight with 35 year old, right? But then uh, if you are over 21, you fight with everybody. And then because they think that this is more kind of realistic way of training, that uh, when, you know, when somebody tries to punch you on the street, you won't ask your weight before fighting back, yes. So this is uh, 
quite a different way of uh, approaching karate because uh, one hand, yes, of course, in the World Karate Federation style, uh, you will be wearing the helmet and you will be wearing gloves and then all this protector and then you kind of fight <laughs> with somebody of your same si size and then and then on the other hand with uh, traditional karate federation you just uh, you don't wear the protectors you wear a little bit of a glove a very light one and then uh, you don't uh, you actually touch the person's body but with kind of control so that is a uh, uh, really they think is a very important point a very difficult point that you have to exert the skill but not to destroy the opponent Yes, so that's, that's the whole point of uh, this traditional karate federation philosophy, that you show the skill, but without, without uh, uh, destroying the opponent, that means you need to control your strength. And then they, th they think this is uh, not just in the training, but uh, you should be effective, you know, it should be effective in your life. And also, like, that they think that uh, their standing style is uh, the World Karate Federation think that it's more beautiful to watch what they do. <laughs> so, so they have a very long stance in terms of like a, almost quite, a, not opening the legs completely, but it's quite wide. Whereas the, the traditional karate federation is a little bit narrower because this would allow you to move more effectively. But if you open your leg completely, then it's quite they think it's more you know, difficult if you want to kick somebody, yes? Whereas if you are always at this stance, this is sort of a more natural. So that's what they mean bringing back the tradition. This is like, a, like you had a more natural way in terms of the other techniques, but also about uh, in the real life you can apply these fighting skills. And then to sort of uh, have this uh, you know, perfect uh, personality that uh, would allow you to become a champion or be successful in any kind of, edu you know, whether in a school or in a business or marriage life or something like that. And then another angle that they bring in is that, uh, um, yes, of course, what we are doing is uh, karate, but then uh, it's a kind of different karate. And Marhom is very keen to bring in this term called budo, that the karate is a budo. Yes, and budo is a Japanese uh, word which means like a, like a martial, martial way, warrior's way of doing something. And then in, in Japan, modern contemporary Japanese language, budo is applied to all sorts of uh, Japanese martial arts. Yes, it would not be applied to like a Chinese Kung Fu or Korean Taekwondo, but it's uh, solely applied for Japanese martial arts like karate, or um, judo, kendo, etc., etc. Uh, but then this Egyptian context is uh, quite different, especially because especially that uh, Ibrahim Marhomi is uh, importing this idea of budo through the French context, and then that's way he kind of presents himself. He knows this word through, uh, of course, uh, Sensei Nishiyama, but he's a sort of a rich experience in France and Europe globally. I told you already that the Marhomi says karate must be a lifestyle. So he says that the, uh, the difference between the traditional karate, what he calls karate takuridi, and uh, this world karate federation that he calls karate riadi, so like a sports karate. So that the traditional karate, the goal is to be educational, yes? To sort of. So he said he teaches the students, for instance, like if you are 
learning kata. Kata is this kind of already choreographed set of moves that uh, from the beginners to the high level people, they, they practice from the, if, you are, if you want to succeed in karate. And then, and then in the World Karate Federation, they, they usually people specialize in both either kata or kumit, because if you want to, if you think karate is a sport, if you want to win, you practice what you will play, compete in, in a competition. Whereas uh, in a traditional karate federation style, you're meant to be good at both the kata, so practice the basics, and the kumite, which is the actual sparring. What Marhomi says, kata, like, what do you, do you know what kata means? So you say, kata means the form, I said, like, you know, and then the, the chakra, and then, like, no, no, no. Kata is a wagib yaomi, so it's a daily, it's like homework or duty. The wagib is a term, like, it means duty, but uh, you people <laughs> are used, uh, use this term on, like, a ho- children's homework. So, uh, guys, uh, yeah, the, the teachers say, like, you know, it's like a homework, you have to do it every day. And then, uh, so because, you know, it, it, you don't just train for medals and certificates, but you're training for life. And then uh, because, that is because karate is not a sport, but the karate is a budo. And then uh, my Egyptian friends go, wow, what is budo? <laughs> what is budo? They've never heard of the term. And then uh, Marhomi goes, like, budo means martial art. And it took me a while until I understood that the, he, he means really martial arts in general, regardless of whether this martial art is from, this art is from Japan or China or Korea or from uh, Germany, whatever. He thinks budo means the martial arts in general. And then uh, he uses this, when he to- explains to his students martial uh, uh, budo, he doesn't use the word uh, in Arabic, nun kataliya. He uses, he says martial art in, like he uses a European term, like English word, yes? Because martial art is a term that is quite used in Egyptian language as a kind of transliteration, yes? So he thinks that uh, budo is a martial art. And then, uh, but then if you think about the, uh, if you are the uh, Egyptians who are sort of uh, knows, know some English and <laughs> watch the films, but not so familiar with foreign language, this word budo is uh, doubly foreign because they, he, they've been told that budo means martial arts, but then it sort of uh, sounds like Japanese. And I think this, this, theme, this uh, kind of foreign, doubly foreignness, exoticism, is working favorably for, favorably for Marhomi himself in terms of uh, marketing his style of karate in contemporary Egypt. And uh, this is just an anecdotal note, and I need to explore even more. But the Egyptian government has signed an agreement with Japanese government in terms of educational cooperation. And one of the areas in which the Egyptian government is interested is the, the Japanese government to introduce the Budo education in Egypt. So this Marhomi is what Marhomi has been looking into, might succeed, might go very far. Because you don't have to look for in Japan, there's already a Budo specialist in Egypt who been, who's been trained in France. Just to con- conclude, so uh, I, I wanted to discuss in this paper, today's paper, that how that karate, Egyptians perceive karate as a means to join the global flow, and, um, and how the um, Egyptians believe that uh, this art has fo- been fully Egyptianized, so that uh, this is a really, that Egypt is very successful globally. 
and then it's a mean to succeed in international stage. And then the how can we understand the success of Egyptian traditional karate federation since 2011? Because they, say they are arguing against uh, what is now already successful in Egypt, which is like uh, the sport karate. And then since 2011, as we know, that there has been a renewed interest in self-defense in general in Egypt. There has been really so much other studies done on how the self-defense courses are very successful because of the security concerns so on and so forth, sexual harassment. And then, uh, but there's also like a, a quite a strong interest among, I think, un, um, unmarried uh, professional, young professionals who want to engage in sport activities when they were they didn't have much experience as a child or as a youth, and then now that they have a job but they are not married, so they have some time off and they want to do some sport, and then it's uh, for not just a. Uh, like losing weight or uh, want to look good, but uh, to sort of uh, spend some time as a kind of form of leisure. So uh, somehow this, uh, and then they also combine this kind of aspiration for the just system, so like a new kind of way teaching karate, somehow how to gain the market or the audience in contemporary Egypt. Combined with all that, this uh, sort of ambition of uh, uh, Marhomi to introduce a karate, redefine karate as a budo is seem to be working out, and we don't know yet because this is a new new project that started only in 2011. But then uh, that the, uh, the fact that the, everybody knows that Marhomi is an internationally successful uh, karate master who has roots to Japan and France seems to give uh, authenticity to his teaching uh, more than any other trainers in Egypt. Okay, thank you.